This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What is up, everybody? It's the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7 with me, Kip Adams. Also of Dogs 24-7 in Georgia is undefeated in SEC play for the first time since 1982. Uh, Georgia has wrapped up SEC play eight games in a row. Really didn't understand the symmetry to this season before it started. Two non-conference games, eight SEC games, two non-conference games, and the only thing left for those last two non-conference games, Georgia's 10-0, ranked number one across the board, ranked number one in recruiting, ranked number one in the 2023 class. I don't know. Uh, maybe. Are they ranked number one right now, Kip, in 2023? Uh, they were number two last I checked because I think uh, is it Oklahoma has like – they had like seven commits right. Like right off the bat. So yeah, I Oklahoma think they're like slightly behind Oklahoma. Already. But, yeah, it's tough. You know, you got to keep that page bookmarked on 24-7 sports because it's like every 30 <laughs> minutes. Even I was even questioning if they still had the number one class because, I mean, we got guys popping, uh, you know, kind of every every other day now. But uh, they do have that number one class for the 2022 cycle right now and probably got a chance to add, what, like eight or nine more guys. It's It's been a crazy couple of years now uh, in college football and recruiting. But I think uh, – you know, Kirby Smart still still got him rolling pretty well. Yeah, for sure. And uh, obviously want to talk about Georgia's win over Tennessee. Rusty talked to you guys about that after the game. Kip and I are going to chime in on that, talk a little bit about uh, uh, Kirby's comments today in his press conference dating back to that Tennessee game. A little bit of an injury update there, and uh, we'll get into all of it. But, Kip, when you look back at that Tennessee game, I mean, it, was, it didn't end up being a four-quarter game. Golly, did it not seem like it was going to be after about four possessions for each team? Yeah, uh, and um, like we said on the the preview pod, that Tennessee—I mean, they're a firecracker. They, you know, they they burned bright and hot, but it was all about kind of not weathering this storm, but just taking those first couple of punches. And yeah, I mean, out of the gate, it looked like you know Georgia's defense might be in trouble there, but. You know, once they established that Tennessee was not going to be able to maintain the run game, Georgia's defense was able to kind of do what they usually do, which is make you one-dimensional and then key in on that dimension. And that's exactly what Georgia did. And, I mean, again, the first quarter, offensively, defensively, the numbers have not been strong, you know, the last five games. But it's just like that Florida game. I mean, you're heading, you're you're closing in on halftime. You know, less than two minutes left, and it's a three nothing, you know, game at that point. And then all of a sudden, boom! It's you know, Georgia scores 21 points in less than two minutes. It's it wasn't like that exactly in this game, but the second and third quarter, you saw Georgia just kind of clamp down and and kind of play more of what you've seen overall from Georgia this season. 
mean, they outscored Tennessee 17 nothing that second quarter. And I think last I looked, it's it's like 127 to 7. Georgia's outscored its opponents in the second quarter this year. So I'm not going to say the first quarter's been bad because they've outscored their opponents uh, like 108 to 22 in the first quarter. But yeah, the, I mean, only getting 17 first quarter points in the last five games, it's kind of continued, you know, that it uh, that question mark as far as Georgia being able to start start quickly. But they they didn't they weren't burned by big mis- mistakes, and that's kind of been I think the key storyline for Georgia this season is is by not making big mistakes and keeping that thing that Kirby Smart loves to talk about with this team and, and the composure. And it kind of just buckling down and, and playing that the quality of Georgia football that's helped them be number one, you know, I guess for the longest stretch, I mean, of our of our lifetime so far. So it's 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 still a pretty good time for Georgia football. And I don't think that's gonna change in the next two weeks. No, nah, not gonna change in the next two weeks. I mean, Georgia's gonna probably Georgia's probably going to end this football season, Kip, with 11 straight wins by three scores or more. Uh, if they don't, I will be absolutely shocked, and that's that's incredible. I mean, I you know, and I was talking with uh, I was talking with Jordan, our uh, awesome producer, before the show uh, about this, but there's an appreciation you have to have for the way Tennessee does stuff. And when I say that, I, I know obviously Georgia ended up shutting it down for you know for two and a half quarters there and kind of just you know beating Tennessee up okay I get that but when you look at that thing in person you don't see it on the TV copy near as much but when you look at that thing in person and you're high top Neyland Stadium like like you are in that press box the green grass between player to player to player on defense when you get outside of that front six that the the two linebackers and the four down linemen is it's it's incredible. Now you think to yourself at that point, like, man, I don't know how any team, especially when you add the pace, how in the world does anybody defend this for four quarters? And then as you start to go, you see teams start to anticipate a little better. You saw Georgia start to anticipate a little better. You saw Georgia start to win again. Something that that you know I had never heard it really said before until recently when Kirby Smart said win both sides of the block. I'd never really heard it put that way. You started to see Georgia do that. You started to see Georgia play better on the edge, uh, fill gaps, get a little bit more aggressive in that front six. And then you started to notice, man, those passes, those those screens, those slants, those hitch routes. Those balls are in the air for a long time. And uh, Georgia didn't ever really jump one of those. Darian Kendrick got a misfire and and made something happen with it. But you kind of get to the point where you you understand that Tennessee just needs an incredible quarterback to to be consistent with that offense and to be unstoppable with that offense. Now, Now, I'll say this. Tennessee missed some shots. Tennessee's not the only team to miss shots against Georgia this year. And I think that's one of the things that makes this defense great is, yeah, you are going to have a couple of opportunities, maybe even two or three or four opportunities to land a haymaker. And if you do, uh, if you do have those shots, you've, you've got to hit them. And you've got to hit them early. Uh, the first one didn't end up hurting them, which was I believe was on the second or third play of the game. That ended up not hurting Tennessee because they ended up coming back and scoring. Um, but uh, coming back and scoring on that drive – uh, but they missed another one in the second quarter that probably hurt them a little bit. The coverage was a little tighter there. They ended up hitting one in the fourth quarter when it was too late. 
Uh, but otherwise, I thought Georgia's defense did a really good job. They did a really good job shutting down the run because that was the number one thing that kind of had me concerned for Georgia early in that game was, wow, Tennessee's kind of winning the point of attack here. They're running it between the tackles. They're running it you know, off tackle outside. Uh, they're, they're extending the run game with the screen game. And uh, but but Georgia adjusted to it, and I don't I couldn't tell you exactly what it is. I couldn't tell you exactly what it is other than playing better because it didn't really look like Georgia changed a bunch of stuff up. Um, you look back, maybe there's a little bit of a blueprint there for other teams to try. Uh, I think Georgia didn't really play the ball in the air all that great. You know, Darian Kendrick gave up a, a couple of big plays because one he fell down and another one he uh, he he tried to kind of come up and around the receiver rather than going underneath and break the pass up. Uh, he had a missed tackle as well that resorted, resulted in a big play. Um, but but Georgia, you know, with Channing Tindall, I mean, coming up with three sacks in the second half. And on that third sack, the one he forced to fumble, it looked like – I mean, it looked like a lion stalking his prey. He was – he was uh, – he was spying the quarterback. He – you could see, he knew what was happening. He knew where the clearing was. He knew where, what, what Hendon Hooker was about to do, and he took care of the rest. And – uh, big win for Georgia, especially after that game started. Uh, Kip, what impressed you the most about Georgia and, and its ability to kind of regain its footing in that game? It, it, was it on offense? Was it on defense? Uh, honestly, even though Tennessee scored the you know the most points that opponents scored against Georgia this season, crossing that fourteen point threshold, uh, I have to say I was impressed with just the. You know, their ability to adapt on on defense and obviously missing a, a big player out there on defense and Adam Anderson, that was an aspect that I wanted to see. Can How are they going to get consistent pressure without him on the field? And just how are those snaps going to be divvied up? And I know it's going to be based on, you know, the what they're seeing and, and just different, uh, you know, matchups that they see on the field that they're trying to take advantage of. But I mean, increased snaps to Nolan Smith, Robert Beal out there, but then also just how they're utilizing Quay Walker and Channing Tindall. They both have seen increased play as well. Obviously, with Channing Tindall's play in that game, I mean, I was I was overall just impressed with the pressure they were able to dial up late in that game, but then also just the in-game adjustment. You see Latavius Brinney out there. You know, he's been playing well in zone. You make that switch the with Chris Smith down there, giving you a better you know better matchup in the slot. And if you want to play more man, he's definitely the guy that can do that. And I, I just like that kind of in game adjustment. You know, Kirby and, and Dan Lenning saw that they were having some success on the slants. You make the switch, and, and I think I think it just showed again both at both of those positions. You know how much depth Georgia has, and then again finding out that you have all these players that have the flu. Uh, I think just seeing the depth that Georgia had along the defensive line, seeing that, you know, the, the guys that played more snaps than they, they played before this season, but still play the quality of football that Georgia's defense was able to do. Uh, that just shows you, I mean, that that's recruiting it's depth. It's overall just a, another shining example of how talented this defense is overall that you're seeing new guys on the field and, you know, the level of play, you're not seeing a lot of drop-off, if any. All right, let's take a break here real quick, and I'm going to give my answer to that same question on the other side. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. All right. My answer to that question, Kip, I got to go offense and I got to go Stetson Bennett because, all right, I don't want to be too hard on anybody here and I don't want to preach at anybody. I'm I'm still the same way I was three, four, five, six weeks ago. I think Georgia's best (laughs) offense, its highest ceiling is is with a healthy 100% full form JT Daniels. Now, I don't know if he's there yet or not. I don't get the indication that he is. Some of the stuff said in the broadcast, excuse me, gives you the indication that he's not. Now, with that said, I still think Stetson Bennett got better as that game went along. Stetson Bennett made some poor throws, and he also went ahead and made up for those. And and, and my biggest example on that is the throw to Brock Bowers. That's a touchdown with 150 – I'm sorry, a minute 50 seconds left in the first half, and Georgia's leading 24 to 10 if he puts that ball on the money. Well, lo and behold, he comes back. He hits A.D. Mitchell in a tight window throw. He hits A.D. Mitchell again and again and again, uh, converts another third down, hits James Cook for a touchdown. All of a sudden, that miss may look like a little bit of a blessing in disguise because Georgia scores with 37 seconds on the clock. They get a sack and Tennessee has to kind of kneel on it and and take it into the half, and Georgia gets the ball right back. I don't think he played a perfect game or a clean game or a crisp game, but I think he played a very good game, especially when you consider his legs and what he did with those. Um, he, he, He made some throws in really big moments. He made some great decisions with the football. And listen, we can debate all day, and I, I can hear the Stetson Bennett haters right now. He's not good. He's not this. He's not that. I don't care to debate that because you don't you don't get a team to nine straight wins, and I know he wasn't the starter for all nine of them, but he was the starter for seven of them, I believe. Um, you don't get a team to that level without being good, okay? So that's hyperbole. If you want to throw that he's not good out there, that's hyperbole. And listen, this is coming from somebody that – listen, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a JT Daniels guy in terms of this team's ceiling. But Stetson Bennett did some really good things for George on Saturday – and those who are going to be super critical of Stetson Bennett are not going to acknowledge him. And, and, and it wasn't just with his legs either. I mean, he had a couple, two or three big third down throws. He missed a couple easy third down throws. He made some third down throws that were much harder than the ones he missed. So I was really impressed, and I continue to be, at just how he stays with it and how he finds a way and how he figures it out and how he does things to help Georgia win week in and week out. Um, I don't think he's elite. I don't think he's a, a great quarterback on the in the big picture, but I do think that that he's just he's a scrappy, um, more talented than you think type of player who who just who figures things out and he figures things out on the fly. He doesn't get flustered. He doesn't get shaken by by a lack of success. 
and he just keeps coming. And I think that's something that that you that that even if you're in team, you know, even if you're one of these guys that that's all you can think about. Okay, you're not even productive at work anymore because all you can think about is whether or not you know Stetson Bennett's good enough to lead Georgia to a national championship. I think you at least need to be able to appreciate the the stick to itiveness and the way he just doesn't get rattled and the way he just continues to help Georgia keep finding ways to win. And I'm of the opinion he's got to get better. He does. He's got to get better. He's got to see things a little quicker, see things better. But he's got a couple of weeks to get some things ironed out before he's probably, almost certainly, after what happened this weekend, going to play Alabama in the uh, SEC championship game. They just have to win one of the last two. Kip, one of the last topics I want to talk to you talk about today uh, – Listen, Georgia was dropping like Georgia had them dropping like flies on Saturday. I mean, you, was it by design? Who knows? You know, Tennessee fans think it was by design, but two guys really stood out to you because they didn't come back after they got hurt. It was Nolan Smith and Devontae Wyatt. Kirby Smart spoke on those guys today, and the new and the news is good. Uh, Nolan Smith should be fine. Dinged up elbow. Devontae Wyatt had a scare, but he's also fine. Whew. I think after that game, that was the one thing that Georgia fans really wanted to know about, right? Yeah, it was – I was – Devontae Wyatt was running out of things to get hurt with. I mean, he was he was spending a lot of time on the ground there, and every single time, I'm like, is this, the, is this it? Is this it? You know, uh, I, w- I was really worried for him out there because, I mean, he's r- worked real hard, and he, he's, you know, had a really, really strong season out there, and, and – putting up some some really good tape so obviously you want to have those guys healthy big picture and I think where Georgia is on the schedule it's a really good time to have the type of games that they have right now because you can you can get a series or two out there with these guys and you know hopefully you're both sides of the ball is kind of humming along and then you can get them up back on the sideline and and try to, uh, you know, get them healthier if, you know, if you're not even playing them at all, just keep them out and, and make sure they're healed up and, and rested for Atlanta. So, yeah, that injury report was was definitely, you know, a, a pleasant surprise for, for Georgia fans and, and obviously a, uh, you know, kind of a sigh of relief because it seemed like, you know, the injuries were happening left and right. And I know that there's been some major injuries that's happened to Georgia players in Neyland Stadium. So it kind of had fans panicking and, you know, thinking about, you know, whether or not their players are cursed playing on that field. But they came out, you know, pretty lucky in that regard. And it sounds like, you know, they're getting healthier at other positions too with Jamari Sawyer. And, you know, Dominic Blaylock seems to be as close as you can get to, to getting back on the field without getting back on the field. And, you know, you never know. Maybe, maybe George Pickens could be getting closer. Uh, that's a weekly, obviously, topic of, you know, uh, interest with fans as well. So this is kind of that stretch where maybe you find out how how healthy some of these other guys are that haven't been on the field, re- you know, at all or or uh, recently. So I think overall, it's it, it's it's good news for Georgia. And you know, you look at Alabama, and you mentioned them potentially being the opponent for for Georgia in the SEC championship game. That's definitely a different next couple of weeks for Alabama than it is for Georgia. I mean, they got two games where they're going to have to, you know, go out there and earn it a little bit with Arkansas and Auburn. So I think, you know, Georgia fans looking at those, those noon kickoffs, you know, maybe some people like to play later in the game. And I think, you know, for Kirby for recruiting, you maybe you want that to give guys a better chance to get into Athens, but 
finishing up that game at three each week and then being able to to get ready for the next opponent. I, I don't think Kirby Smart can complain in that regard and and the players as well. I mean, they're going to have the maximum amount of time <laughs> to prepare for Atlanta yeah. as possible. So I think there's there's a lot of things that have lined up well for Georgia right now. And, you know, it's a lot of storylines haven't really happened exactly how you thought they would as far as, you know, obviously Stetson Bennett at quarterback was not the preseason storyline. But the, here we are. You're exactly where you want to be. Overall, you can't really complain about where things are. And I was actually thinking – you know, you were talking about the offense. I thought you were going to talk about the James Cook game. I mean, this is the James yeah, Cook great. game we just saw. And yeah. now, I mean, is the question is, who's Georgia's best running back? If you could give 10, 12 carry touches to any running back, you know, in Atlanta, uh, who would they? Who, who do you think should get those carries? And, and I mean, the, the answer could still be Zamir White, but. Hey, James Cook made it a, a, a discussion point, so I just think that's that's interesting now. I mean, is is he Georgia's most talented back? We we've kind of been teasing that for you know four years now, or, but but here we are. We saw we saw it actually happen in a big game against Tennessee, and so now you kind of think about okay, so we you know he can be utilized in in the college game. So now the question is, you know, who who should get more touches moving forward? So. That, that's just a standard Georgia debate. The guy on the sideline is always the guy you want in the game. And so now you, you got two really, really talented running backs that have kind of established that they can get things done. So true. So true. And and now, all of, you know, like you said, there, there are so many different storylines to follow. Does George Pickens come back in one of these next two games? Do we see Dominic Blaylock? I would assume we're going to, we're going to, Dominic Blaylock's healthy enough to play. Uh, Kirby has said that he traveled, so he's absolutely healthy enough to play. I would imagine he's going to make his return to the field against Charleston Southern. I can't say that about George Pickens. Um, I would imagine, you know, that, that if he's, if he can, he wants to play in that SEC championship game. If he wants to play in that SEC championship game, he's going to want to grab some, some reps in one of these next two games to maybe shake some of the rust off and, uh, and and get there, um, you know. Obviously, huge game from James Cook, and didn't want to gloss over that at all. Uh, he did. He did. I mean, when Georgia needed something, they turned to him, and good things happened. Uh, so so kudos to him for a big game. Uh, you know, I got a feeling Dejon Edwards may be in a maybe in line for a couple of big ones here coming up too, uh, with with these two next opponents. But guys, Georgia is. I mean, Georgia's got a 99.99999% chance of finishing the 2021 season, regular season, undefeated. And that may be enough to get them in the college football playoff, no matter what happens in Atlanta, as long as that score is close. Uh, so there's there's a lot to look forward to. Um, you know, we, Rusty talked about a few games ago about how, yeah, you feel like you're three-quarters of the way through the season, but I mean, two-thirds of the way through the season, but really you're barely halfway because of 15 games. Georgia wants to play in five more, and Georgia's in a position to play in five more. And uh, we'll be back uh, later on this week to talk about that, talk about recruiting, talk about anything else we can think of to talk about because there's not a whole lot of things to say about Charleston Southern because that's where we are in the schedule. But for this episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. He's kept at us from the same place. Y'all take it easy.
May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? <laughs> Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus.